Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. We are very excited to welcome Elise Ahrens, who is the co-founder and CEO of Francis Valentine to the Style That Finds Us podcast. Elise co-founded lifestyle brand Francis Valentine with her best friend, Kate Spade, to fulfill their mission of creating mood-boosting, conversation-sparking, confidence-building styles that celebrate a life well-lived. During the episode, we're going to talk to Elise about starting and growing Kate Spade, where they got the idea for Francis Valentine, what's coming up for spring 2023 and beyond. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Will you talk to us about your journey from college to starting Kate Spade and now to Francis Valentine? Yes, I, I certainly will. So I had an unlikely beginning in the fashion business. I was uh, the last of four daughters who grew up on a farm in Kansas. And um, my mother was a graphic illustrator for several fashion companies in Wichita, Kansas. And it's probably where I got the love of fashion. But she would take a subscription to Women's Wear Daily every day. And um, then, you know, I became hooked on Vogue. And then when Elle came out, I couldn't wait for the next issue. In any case, I met Katie Spade, Katie Brosnahan at the University of Kansas when we were freshmen in college. And we became best friends almost immediately. What I didn't realize was that we were next to each other in our dorm rooms and her last name began with a B and mine at the time began with a C. And I, I always thought, oh, isn't it just amazing that we met and it was meant to be? And but it was really about the alphabet. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't really, uh, you know, one of those things that was meant to be. But we became best friends. Her sister talked us into moving to Arizona our junior year. So we finished college. We moved down there together. We finished college at Arizona State, where we met Andy Spade and his brother David. And um, Katie and Andy had worked at a men's clothing store together. Once we graduated from college, we were supposed to take a trip to Europe together. And it was sort of our senior trip. And I looked at my bank account and I said, Katie, I said, I can either go on the trip with you or I can move to New York, which has always been my dream. And uh -huh. so I chose New York. I moved to New York. She went to Europe. And when she came back through JFK, she called me and she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have $5 left and I can't get back to Arizona. And I said, well, move in with me, come here. You can temp and, and do temp work until we save up enough money for you to come home. And the temp agencies had sent her to Mademoiselle magazine. And so that was her start in the fashion business. And I tried to get a job at the fashion magazines, but with no connections and no way of getting in at the time, I started working for different fashion companies and I worked for a fashion photographer booking his hair and makeup people. And then I worked for JG Hook, which is an old brand. I don't even know if it's still around anymore, but it was kind of a Nantucket, yeah. Vineyard, Block Islandy, very preppy uh, brand. I did all the PR for them. And then right after that, I worked for uh, Gerbo Jeans, which was hugely popular uh, in the 80s and such a fun place to work. I traveled all over the world with them. I worked in public relations and marketing and I did all their events for them um, around the United States. So it was such a fun job. And while I was doing that, Andy Spade came up with the idea that we should start a handbag company because Katie was such a good accessories editor at Mademoiselle. They called me at 10 o'clock one night and said, okay, we know what business you guys are going to have. And 
Kate Spade was born and I quit my job and moved back to New York and we started out of their apartment and we were steaming bags and going to shows at the Javits Center. And our first customers at the Javits Center were Barney's New York and a chain of really cool stores called Sharavari at the time. That's how Kate Spade was born. We finally moved out of their apartment a couple of years later. And we have a fourth partner, Pamela Bell, who was very instrumental in getting a lot of stuff done. She really handled the production and was a, an excellent partner. So there were four of us in the business the whole time and grew that business, added product categories. It was really exciting. It was the only thing we were doing at the time. We worked 24 seven. We ate and breathed Kate Spade and it was the best time of life. And I think I was joking with you once before Delia about, I think back on some of the best times and we were so broke, but mm -hmm. The laughs that we had and, you know, when you can't go any further down, sometimes you just have to laugh. And I think back on those times and they were just the best of times. We sold that business in 2006 to Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus? Yes, we sold it to Neiman Marcus and they in turn sold it to Liz Claiborne. I will never forget my first Kate Spade bag. I Birmingham, Alabama. It was dark, sort of dark brown, but it was kind of that fabric. It was our chocolate nylon. Oh, <laughs> that was such a chic bag. I love those bags. Oh, my God. I felt like the coolest person. I think it was really appealing to women in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. There weren't very many handbag companies and certainly not American handbag companies who were doing what we were doing. The idea of these very square shapes and an American design and, and a designer coming from the Midwest the price point was right. It wasn't too high and it wasn't too low. It was right in the middle. And it was very aspirational to a lot of women in their first professional jobs or yeah. just out of college. Right. It was aspiration. I mean, you know, it was a high price point for me at that age, you know, and it was also right. the name was tiny. It was just so chic, so covetable. We hear stories like that all the time and people, women still have their first Kate Spade bag. And they keep it stuffed in their closet, you know, so that it's nice and square and shape. And right. um, it's just one of those things that you don't ever want to get rid of. Right. It could stand up on its own. Okay. So how did the idea for Francis Valentine come about? So we sold Kate Spade in 2006. And, mm -hmm. you know, I walked out of school after dropping my kids off that September morning. And I thought, oh, yeah, I never have to work again. This is so <laughs> so much fun. And I, I was all of a sudden paralyzed because I had never not worked in my life. And right. it was um, really a shock to my system. I didn't know what to do with myself. And so I would run up to Katie's house. She, I, I live in the West village. She lived on the Upper East side and mm -hmm. I would, you know, put some music on and run up to her house and we'd go to the park for a couple of hours and walk around. And then I would run home and it would eat up a big chunk of my day. Yeah. Finally, after a few months, I knew that wasn't sustainable. So <laughs> I volunteered at the school and, and uh, worked in the parents association and on the board and took cooking classes. And I picked up tennis for the first time in my life. And I, so I really filled my days. One night, about seven years after we sold the business, we were out to dinner, Katie and Andy and Pamela, her husband and I, my husband, Andy and I. And we were talking about how much we missed creating and designing things mm -hmm. and missed the social part of having a business too. Mm -hmm. And so that was where the idea was born. And a year later, we started Francis Valentine. 
That's a wonderful story. I love that because it's camaraderie and creativity mixed together. Yes. And it's also kind of born out of the idea that after Kate Spade, we, we were sort of free to go shopping where we wanted to shop. And so I'd go to department stores, I'd go to Bergdorf's or Saks, and I couldn't really find things I was looking for at the I, right price point. I mean, yes, I could find a beautiful Valentino dress or a, you know, a pair of Vivier shoes, but they were really expensive. And although I could afford it, I don't like to pay that much for things for the most part. And so I felt like, I think Katie and I both felt like there was a place in the market for a brand that had really great quality, fantastic design, wonderful colors, but it didn't have to be $6,000. It didn't have to be $1,500. So, you know, when we started Francis Valentine, some of the buyers came in and they were sort of like, you're really in no man's land. But it's turned out to be a really good thing because people do want accessible luxury items. For sure. Right. And that's no man's land. I mean, you figured out what we're looking for. I feel like so many brands, I, I still can't figure out who's buying it. Who's their target or who do they think their target is? Because I feel like a lot of brands are missing the mark. That's why I was so excited when I actually, when I moved here, and your store on Madison is not too far from where I live. And I uh, walked in and thought, oh my God, this is exactly what so many women are looking for. Chic, with the color, sophisticated, but not all black. And then the other option is, like you said, I can find the pieces for people, but they're at unbelievably high prices. And even if they can afford them, they don't necessarily want their closet full of that. Right. Exactly. I, I admit I will splurge on a designer piece. Of course. And, and there, but they have to be something that's going to be in my closet the rest of my life. Right. And that's always the test. Exactly. Either you're going to wear it all the time. Or it's going to be something that 10 years from now, you're still excited when you take it out for the season. Exactly. And also, if it's the time of year when you're going to a lot of parties, it's great to have these pieces. Like for the holiday season, I loved your holiday collection and how much fun to have those pieces and to be able to get several of them and wear them on repeat. And be able to mix and match them with separates. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of parties to go to this year. And thank goodness for the Francis Valentine closet here at the office. (laughs) You might hear us knocking on the door. (laughs) What did y'all do differently with Francis Valentine that you did not do with Kate Spade? Well, with Francis Valentine, we had the luxury of time. Kate Spade was really bootstrapped and we didn't really have to do that so much with Francis Valentine. We were able to, instead of starting out of our apartments, we were able to get a really beautiful office space at Bryant Park and uh, create a showroom there uh, here that's really, really pretty. And we started Francis Valentine. You know, Katie really, really loved designing shoes. So shoes were our focal point with Francis Valentine and, and handbags, of course, it wasn't really until after we lost Katie in 2018, that we started apparel and jewelry. I had picked two of her favorite vintage pieces. It's something that she and I shared a love for, um, was vintage shopping through high school and college. And, and even, you know, as adults and even today, we loved vintage shopping. And so I picked two of her favorite vintage pieces and, 
as sort of a tribute to her, we made those those items. And one was a an embroidered caftan that she wore all the time on vacation. And the other was an embroidered sweater. Um, it was very colorful and fun. And of course, those pieces sold out immediately and, and the reorders sold out and again and again and again. And all of our customers started asking us for all the pieces that we used for styling, which were all my vintage pieces and, and some of Katie's vintage pieces for styling our campaigns. So they'd say, where can I get that jacket? And where can I get that sweater or those pants or that coat? And so we started making items as our customers were asking for them. And voila, a couple of years later, we for two years now, we've had a full apparel line and it's 60% of our business. And I think really the the ethos behind the whole brand is to wear what makes you happy. Instead of dressing for everyone else, dress for ourselves and dress with confidence and wear something that's just going to make your day. I, I am a firm believer that when you wake up in the morning, you get to decide how you're going to feel all day. And I think <laughs> what you're wearing makes that difference. The, the compliments you get from people walking past a mirror and seeing yourself in, in this great pink outfit, just it just brightens your day all day long. So that's really, you know, sort of the the ethos of the company and our mission, you know, is to really give women permission and the confidence to wear what makes them happy. That's, that is just fabulous. And so many things, some of the best things are vintage. So when people say, I want that jacket, you would have to say, well, it's vintage, you know, yes, and get the jacket. (laughs) You can't buy it part of our design process, I go to vintage shows a lot and I go to every secondhand store. Whenever I'm traveling, if I can, I try to go to the secondhand stores of the Salvation Armies in those yeah. regions because um, you can really find some great things, you know, some hand beaded pieces from, you know, the 1930s or 40s. I'm particularly drawn to the 60s and 70s because yeah. watching my mother dress for cocktail parties or hosting a party yeah. and the hostess skirts and jumpsuits yeah. with a jacket, just swing coats, you know, all of those things, you know, with her hair up and dangly earrings and but bright colors. And, and it feels like in the 60s and 70s, people were a lot less afraid of color and there wasn't sort of this drab palette that we see so much of today. I love bringing those things back. And what we do is take some of those vintage silhouettes and make them a little more modern. You know, women's bodies have changed a lot in the last 30 to 40 years. We change the fit on those. And we also add modern details like pockets in just about everything we do. Like maybe add zippers where there were buttons all the way back, you know, down the back of something. And we seek out vintage prints and we look all over the world for vintage prints. Our silhouettes are almost 100% American designs because we really like to celebrate American style and vintage American style. But we tend to utilize prints that we buy from artists. They could be from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Some of them are modern day, most are vintage. Some of those will recolor and we put them on the silhouettes and we might blow up the print, if it's a floral, we might reduce it if it's a stripe. So we play with scale a lot um, to create the pieces that we make. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. That's wonderful. And I do love that era. The pieces are classic, but they're so sophisticated and elegant. And it just takes you right back there to just like you said, people dressing up for cocktail parties at their fabulous New York apartment, you know, with all these glamorous people. And also it's not like uncomfortable though. People think that they have to dress so casually now. Comfortably. And casually. 
you know, they're just sort of, it's a blah situation. And then, I mean, I know that's, I'm not cutting anybody's style preferences down, but I feel like what you've done is you've added, you brought glamour back. Thank you. Well, we try and make everything that we make super comfortable so mm. that you don't have to be in sweats so that you can wear. I, today I have on a stretch velvet suit and it's right. just, it, it feels like, you know, I could be in my pajamas there. It's so comfortable and so soft moves with you. I mean, I could actually probably do a yoga workout in this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast who are entrepreneurs or they're considering starting a business. You talked to us about what it was like in the early days of bootstrapping and the special memories, but also how hard that is. And we were wondering if you had any tips to share with people just starting out with their businesses. I I probably have way too much advice to give, but I'll just, I'll hone it down (laughs) to just a couple. (laughs) Um, I would say be prepared to commit 150% of your time to investing in a new venture, particularly today. You know, I think it's harder today than it was when we started, but I do believe it's still doable. The only thing you regret is not doing something. So I think it's always worth trying to and sticking to your guns of your idea, your original idea, and don't let people talk you out of it. Probably the best piece of advice I always give to young people when I have the opportunity to speak with them is no matter what your stage of life you know, in in your career, be nice to everybody with whom you deal. You know, there could be a really jerky person sitting next to you in the cubicle next to you or at the desk next to you in any job you're doing. You may leave that job at some point and think, oh my God, I'm so glad I don't have to ever see that person again. (laughs) Definitely going to run into that person again because (laughs) our world is small. And if you're staying within the fashion business or any kind of business, you run into those people again later in life and they may be your boss. They may be the owner of a company someday. So it's it's not the reason to be nice. The reason to be nice is just because it makes life more pleasant and uh, it's easy to do and not take things so personally, but to try and deal with everything you, you know that's that might be challenging with humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, I think that's probably the best piece of advice I give to my daughters because, you know, mm-hmm. everything in, in their moment, in their lives feels so serious and so consequential, but in the scheme of things, if you're patient and you give things time and not get so upset about things and just try and add some humor in, you'll mm-hmm. realize, you know, a few days later, it wasn't that big of a thing. We'll get through it. Right. And looking back a year later or two years later. Yes. You roll your eyes and laugh at yourself. (laughs) What are the Francis Valentine girls loving for 2023? Okay. Well, you know, we love prints and we love color. One of the things that, that our customers have asked for who dress in neutrals are a lot more neutral pieces that still have, that still are very designed. So we created a neutral palette for a lot of our customers who like that. And it has, it might be a black caftan with a lot of embroidery in an oyster and tan color. And so we have a whole group of that that's coming out in February that we're very excited about. And then of course, lots of pink, lots of yellow, lots of green celebrating spring coming, which I can't believe is here already. 
spring is one of our favorite seasons of Francis Valentine because we really celebrate it with a lot of color and a lot of fun. We're doing some really great new caftans, uh, some wonderful new separates that, uh, for work. Um, and I think our separates have been really important as people have been going back to the workforce and being able to mix and match different things together. So even if you feel like your closet's very drab, buying you know one separate piece that's got a lot of color or some prints in it that you can mix in and you know make outfits, make several outfits for the week with that, that's really fun. We have uh, really beautiful, colorful shoes with our. We, we're doing these. Um, Kiki heels and it's a die cut sandal with circles. I wish I could show you a picture and our kickball heel with, and our kickball heel is about a two and a half inch heel, but it's got a ball and it's got cork at the bottom with a black and white stripe round heel. It's just, they're just adorable. They, they almost look like a perfume bottle. Um, and then of course our fun baskets that we do every single summer and our, our baskets tend to sell out everywhere. My favorite one coming is our new picnic basket, which is really fun with bamboo handles. And it's just the perfect thing for spring and summer. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. That was the other Kate Spade I had like a basket bag and then it had a black patent leather little flap and a strap when you all had the brand. We're big wicker fans, even still today. And I you know our, our basket business is just as big as our leather handbag business. I love baskets. I'd wear baskets in the wintertime with, with, with a, fur, a faux fur coat. I think yeah. it's fun to mix, mix things around. I agree. Will you walk us through your design process? Yes, I will. I, I think I talked a little bit about it already. We really start with our whole color palette for the season and start to look at prints from different artists. And we'll look for uh, some plaids, either madras plaids, something that really works well into summer. We look mm-hmm. for a lot of florals, um, small and large, because we'll use some of the smaller ones for linings. Um mm-hmm. And the larger ones, you know, for our big prints, mm-hmm. um, we love stripes here. So if we can find some some really interesting stripes, we look for stripes as well. So we start with that. We usually have 10 to 20 different prints that we're working with during spring. Some of them will fall out and we'll use it for a different season. Um, and then we select fabrications we're going to use and of course go to the vintage shows and pull any pieces i i have a lot of vintage pieces in my closet that are go-to pieces for us one was my fisherman sweater that i bought at a vintage store 30 years ago and it Mm. still looks just like brand new today i wear it everywhere all the time i take it on every vacation it is just it's such a great sweater and we made that, and it's one of the pieces that's sort of an essential piece in our line um, because we use it for styling all the time. So that process, we put samples into work. We do all the CADs at our office where we're putting prints and we can do it all you know, on the computer. And we have an excellent design team. We do it all together. And then we'll send all of those off once we're satisfied with that for first samples. The samples mm-hmm. come back and we, they're in a my size. So I try them on. I want to make sure that they feel good, that they're comfortable, that the pockets are in the right place, that the zipper works, that everything about that fits well and looks great. And we'll make those corrections on the samples, send them back to the manufacturers, and then we get our second set of samples. And then we go to market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How far in advance does that begin? Well, we, um, for instance, right now we are working on resort for next year. 
which will be, you know, it launches December. It's December and January. It really sells a lot in January. So um, we're working on that right now. So it's almost a whole year ahead Mm -hmm. of time. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh my gosh. I know. That's what I always try to explain to friends who don't work in fashion. I mean, you live so much in the past, present and future constantly. Your brain is like a scramble. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, some mornings I wake up and I'm thinking, okay, are we in fall? Are we in spring? Are we in summer? Are we in resort? I I don't know because I might be going to a store event where I'm talking about the current season, which could be, you know, resort right now. We're working on, you know, we're finishing up fall. We're going to market to sell fall in two weeks. And we're starting to um, upload all of our campaigns because spring and summer is launching in our stores shortly. So we're just in every season all the time. In one day, you're right. 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 <laughs> time periods. Okay. We are so curious to know, how did you develop your sense of personal style? Gosh, you know, it, it, growing up where I did, I was kind of in the middle of nowhere on a farm mm-hmm. in Kansas. And around there, everyone wore jeans, and overalls. And, you know, that was just sort of not really the dress code, but it was what people wore to work and to school. My mother took me to New York when I was 14 and I fell in love with New York. I just was like, oh my God, everybody's dressed so well and they're so good looking and they're, you know, they're bustling and going here and there. And I think my mother had a lot to do with it. She always did the costumes for community theater in our local town. She was a fashion illustrator. She took a subscription to Women's Wear Daily, which came every day, even to Kansas. And um, I loved fashion magazines. And even though I went to school for journalism and I was really interested in politics at the time, Mary Tyler Moore was someone who Katie and I um, both idolized yes, just because that show came out when we were of age and she was one of the first single women who had a career and Uh journalism. And so I think that's probably why we both went into journalism um, as majors in college. And she was an icon, a style icon. You know, Mm. you think of all the women on that show, it was Mary, it was Rhoda and Phyllis, all of them had amazing style. Those are real inspirations to me. Uh, those women in that period of time um, in the seventies was just so cool. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think all of the influences of your younger years and then, you know, growing up through teenagehood and college, you mm-hmm. know, you try on different things to see what suits your personality. And mm-hmm. I think we all evolve over time. I was very trend driven in high school and, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I wore that. But, and Katie was very classic always. We hit it off somehow and we are, our, our styles each evolved and probably hers toward mine and mine towards hers. And, you know, I think, I think it evolves over time. And, you know, if you finally figure out what's right for you, that makes you feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you're grow up watching that girl and Mary Tyler Moore, you don't realize at the time that their style is, is something that's resonating with you. It's just them. Who had the, was it Rhoda that had the fold up bed on the show? The Murphy bed. The Murphy bed. Murphy bed. No, it wasn't that Mary. And maybe it was Mary. I, I mean, that was, and even just the song, just her walking. And the fact that they were professional career women doing right. whatever they did at the time. Yeah. It, was, it was rare. I remember growing up, my dad had to go sign for my checking account at the bank when I was a young woman, not my mother. 
it was a different time and RBG changed that for everybody. And yes. a lot of people don't know that, but she made right. a huge difference for all of us. I remember when they surprised Oprah on her show and Mary Tyler Moore walked on stage and Oprah just burst into tears. Yeah. How she um, influenced all of us in such a huge way. So what inspires you? I think we know that vintage inspires you as far as your fashion style. What are other things that inspire you? People. I take pictures of people secretly all the time with layering. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm constantly on the, on the train on the way to work every morning. I'm like, Ooh, I like those shoes or I like that heel or I like that handbag. So I sneak pictures all the time, but I, I love people's layering that they do and their use of color. I'm just always fascinated with how different people style themselves. So sure. that's always really interesting to me. Also, my flower garden, I grow a lot of different flowers in my garden. And in July, when July and August, when it's really at its peak, I'm just so drawn to the colors of, for instance, zinnias, mm-hmm. the, the colors that come from seeds that, that just bloom on their own. You almost can't believe that those colors come from nature. I love spending time in my garden. I think flowers and nature really, really to think about the deepness of color are huge inspiration to me. When I can visit art, um, a friend of mine runs the New York Academy of Art, and we're mm-hmm. lucky enough to get to go to the shows of the students there. So I'm I'm so inspired by by going to be able to do that. And, you know, just nature in general. There's so much around us every day. It's just a matter of keeping our eyes open and not be focused on our phones and just looking around at everything. Yeah, that was lovely. What trends are you excited about for spring 23? Well, you know, we're not hugely trend-driven, as you may know at the company. We really um, think more in terms of classic pieces that have been around for a long time. However, this year, I know a lot of other brands, and I know customers are embracing this already. The uh, focus on color and prints, I'm thrilled that a lot of other brands are Um, using a lot of color and a lot of prints thinking, you know, looking back at Valentino last year with the pink, I loved that campaign. It was amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think a lot more brands are using a lot more color, yellow, bright green and showcasing it in their brands. So I'm excited about that. I agree with you. And sometimes it's a trend for them, but it's your aesthetic already. So it just makes supplies and things more readily available. You know, like if I always tell my clients, if you're someone who loves hot pink, this is your year to (laughs) up on it, you know, because it's going to be everywhere and, you know, or bright green, whatever it is. And then other years, you won't be able to find it for years. So that's the way I think of trends more than, you know, everybody's got to have this this year, that kind of thing. How did y'all come up with the name Francis Valentine? So that's a very interesting story. So we had a lot of different names picked out. A lot of them were names of flowers because, you know, we love peonies. We love ranunculus, but ranunculus isn't a good name for a company. So, um, but Francis was one and Valentine was one. And we thought, you know what? We want this to be about this woman. It's based on friendship, but it's your best friend, your favorite aunt, that woman in your life who has fantastic style and is confident and gracious and the funniest person you ever met. So let's create that woman. And that's going to be who Francis Valentine is. Serendipitously, 
they were two of Katie's family names. One, Francis is on her father's side and Valentine is on her mother's side. So it was an even nicer connection and felt really right to create this woman who is sort of our ideal of that favorite woman in your life mm-hmm. uh, was where we came up with the idea. Mm, brilliant. It is. Can you give us one of your favorite moments from your career? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, there's so many good ones. It wasn't really a moment, but it was, you know, when we were really struggling at Kate Spade, we were broke. We were there 24-7. Some of the best times of our lives because it's it was so much fun and it was, you know, just, it was just everything to us. Probably one of the highlights was when Katie was nominated and won her first CFDA award. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd won several others after that, but the first time is always right. so special. Uh, and it really made a difference to our, our business. Uh, we got national press and international press, and it was a very exciting time for us. And then being invited to the Met Gala, that was really fun. And, you know, rubbing elbows with everybody who was there. We're like, oh my God, right? <laughs> here we are, these girls from the Midwest, and we've actually made it here. So those were some really fun times at Kate Spade that I will always look back on fondly. Yes, those are wonderful. And they give people hope too, that are doing everything that you all were doing and are exhausted and terrified. They can have an idea in their head of what it would feel like when she got the award or I was wondering about or realizing people were actually buying the bags and what that felt like. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Really incredible. What does a typical day, probably you don't have typical days, but what would a typical day look like for you? Uh, well, I'm an early riser. I guess you can take the girl off the farm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I tend to wake up at like 5.30 or 6 every day and mm-hmm. I will get up my dog usually wakes me up. She, I, we have a chocolate lab and she, she just, in the second I like my eyes flutter, she's like, okay, it's time for breakfast. Um, so I have, have coffee. I usually read women's Road daily and business of fashion first thing, wall street journal. And then I will try to do some sort of semblance of a workout between 10 and 30 minutes every day. Mm-hmm. It's brand new for me. I know I need to. And then I, t- you know, get ready for work and I take the train to work every day. Um, the subway, I love the subway. I think it's an amazing feat of engineering that we have this thing in our, in our city that can take us anywhere in 10 minutes. Um, so I take the train every day and I get to work usually about 830. I have time to settle in for a few minutes and then the whole team kind of arrives around nine or 930 and we have meetings with the business units, the e-commerce team, the marketing team, the retail team, the wholesale team, our creative department throughout the week, usually the first couple of days of the week. But I set aside about uh, at least two days a week for design and uh, work with the design team basically every single day. You know, we talk, it's just all a mishmash of meetings. And and that's when I'm not traveling. Uh, I had a very busy travel schedule all through fall. Um, so I'm really happy to be in New York for the month of January and February most of the time. But it's it's really fun. E- you know, every day holds something new. Like today I'm doing a really interesting podcast with two beautiful women. Oh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we're so excited about that. We're so excited that um, you just opened a location in our hometown, Birmingham, Alabama. 
Yes, it's our latest one. We have six locations total. We have Madison and 73rd. We have our store in the Hamptons. We have Palm Beach, Houston, Atlanta, and now happily Birmingham, Alabama. And we're opening two more this year, one in Alexandria, Virginia in the summer and Naples, Florida. So very excited to, to get those open this year too. And do you have any favorite vintage stores in Manhattan that you could share with us? Yeah, you know, I've had many, but a lot of them have closed. One of my favorites was on Greenwich Avenue. It was called, I think it's called Second Star. There's one, what goes around comes around, but a lot of them have closed. I know Second Star closed right before COVID or right when COVID happened. And I think it's really sad. You know, they won't come back, unfortunately. Uh, But the nice thing about the vintage shows is it's really a consortium of a lot of different vintage stores bringing their best, their their favorite pieces into one space. So you can get, you know, 200 different stores all in one time, which is really nice. That's amazing. How many times does that take place in New York? I, I know it's at least three times a year. So there's one in February. I think it's February 2nd and 3rd. There's mm-hmm. one in April. There's one in October. Mm-hmm. There may be one more, but I'm just not remembering it right now. I love to go to vintage stores when I'm in Paris. Mm-hmm. There are so many vintage stores in Paris that are that are fantastic. Yes, same. And then for the vintage shows here, can the public go? Yes, absolutely. It's Manhattan Vintage is what it's called. They have a website and you can buy tickets. I will give advice to anyone buying tickets. If you're really interested in seeing everything, mm-hmm. buy the first day tickets for early access and get in line an hour early. Interesting. Good advice. Yeah. Especially these days, everybody feels like they're obsessed with vintage. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are, you know, we are so sorry about the loss of your best friend. And I feel like basically the whole world mourned with you that loss and we're taken uh, back by that. Do you have any, since mental health, the conversation in the world right now is centering on that so much. Do you have any thoughts that you could share with us? Well, first, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Katie was such a special person. I miss her every day. She was such a private person. I knew that she was struggling. You do as your closest person in your life, you do everything you can to help those people. In hindsight, I don't think any of us were prepared really to deal with it. I don't know if there's any more we could have done. When people are super private like that, I think it's even more important to not maybe let them be alone and spend more time with them than than you normally would. I don't know that she would have necessarily reached out to you know, one of the many services available now, but I would encourage anyone who's feeling depressed or concerned at all about their mental health to reach out. And I'm thrilled today that it's getting so much more acceptable for people to talk about it because I think that's the important thing. I think being private about it and embarrassed about it is the wrong way to go about it. I think we need to talk about it and realize it's a problem and that could happen to anyone. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. Thank you for talking with us about it. Yes, I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. I know I was having a conversation with a girl who started a drink company mm-hmm. and she was saying something like our parents' generation therapy, either if you went to therapy, it was something that you probably didn't talk about. But now 
I'm a millennial mm-hmm. and we're all talking about therapy a lot and hopefully it's seeming mm-hmm. a little bit more destigmatized and, mm-hmm. and we're really focusing on our mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think all the celebrities who have come out with positive right. messages about it have been terrific. I think the the you know more popular someone is, they should talk about it if they can. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's so true. It is. Well, we would love to hear what's next for you, Francis Valentine, all the things. We have so much new stuff happening all the time. It's it's really exciting. Um, This month, we are getting ready to launch our spring collection in February. It'll be right at the beginning of February. But in the meantime, in January, we're finally launching our denim pieces. Um, Waiting to do this. And we're really happy these are made in the United States. So the denim's coming from the United States and the jeans are made here. The denim's from Louisiana and the jeans are being made in Texas. And we're doing um, two different silhouettes. We're doing a five pocket straight leg jean, something like I would have worn on the farm and that I wear often today even. Um, and then a wide leg jean that's kind of wide all the way down and high waisted um, at the top. And I'm so excited about them. Can't wait to launch them. Those are going to launch, I think, about January 15th. And we've got a lot more um, coming out this summer, which I can't talk about yet. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of fun stuff uh, down the pike. Mm, that's so exciting. Goodness. I can't wait to see the denim. I know. Well, congratulations on everything. And what we're going to do is we're going to curate a shoppable blog post where the podcast episode will live as well, the link to it. So everyone can go check out the denim and all the latest pieces that are on your site. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on today. Did you talk about where people can find you and Francis? I I did not, but I certainly can. So we, I think I talked about the six um, Francis Valentine store locations. And we also have an e-commerce site that's uh, francisvalentine.com. Mm. And if you want to find us on Instagram, it's F Valentine New York. And we're also available at specialty stores and Neiman Marcus and Saks Online and Nordstrom Online. Ooh, no, amazing. That's <laughs> wonderful. We're so excited, so thrilled for you and for all of us that there is a brand out there that is so relatable to our lives and cheers us up every time we see it in our closets. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. That's fantastic. Well, wear what makes you happy. Most definitely. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's very true. Well, thank you again. And everyone, thank you for tuning in. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. See you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.